0: We're going through the Psalms. You probably know that Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in this longest psalm. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Uh, it is longer than some of the books of the Bible. Uh, and it has been a challenge to think about how to preach Psalm 119. <laughs> uh, you could pick out one verse, um, I, w- I wanted to go into Psalm 119 this week because the Sunday before Tim Whitman was here, uh, I preached on Psalm 112. So thinking about Psalm 112. Now, Psalm 112 verse 1 ends with um, who greatly delights in his commandments, who greatly delights. And if, you, if you're reading it in the original, the next to the last word is delights. And, and the last word is greatly. And it just struck me as I was meditating on that, that you know, to, to have the attitude in our hearts that we, that we just rejoice, that we delight, we delight greatly. That's a that's a powerful word there at the end of that. To, to delight greatly, I, I delight in in a, a number of things. If but if if the great delight in my life was was this word and how it fits into my life, how it how it directs my life, how it is exposed within my life to others. It is it is a wonderful idea, and that is. A large that is a, an important part of the impact of Psalm 119. Uh, there are 176 verses in it. There are different ways to count the words that mean the Bible, precepts, testimony, law. I mean, there some say there are six, some say there are eight, some say there are ten. One of those words is used in almost all the verses of Psalm 119. Some say all but 4, and some say all but 6, and some say all but 10. I think it probably was something like all but 4. It's it's hard to figure it out because of the implications of what what it means, but the point is that essentially the all of Psalm 119 is saying this is a really good book. <laughs> this is the only book. This is the book for your salvation and the way you live and it has something to say about every little bit of your life so because of that because of uh, psalm 112 talked about delighting greatly in 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 the word and because the reformation was a great back to the bible movement for those two things I wanted us to concentrate on one nineteen on Reformation Sunday, which is also Reformation Day. if you have the the bulletin i 'd like for you to to look at it uh, Psalm one nineteen is is really different from all the other psalms in lots in lots of ways um, if you'll see there on the the right side uh, up at the top uh, it says um, uh, uh, alphabet uh, and then you, you might be able to you might be able to tell there if you you, you you read this from right to left so uh, like you uh the upper right corner that's an that's an olive and you may be able to see that 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 the the word for for letters starts with an olive and then you have this little um you have an olive and then a bait. Um, with a, a little quotation mark type thing, which is is, is like a um, like an apostrophe, like something's missing there, but uh, in, but it's aleph bait, So if it were Greek, it would be alpha uh, beta beta, and if it's in English, it would be alphabet. All uh, about the same thing. So that's what that says at the top, and then the the, the smaller line says color or or paint the. The letters for your enjoyment. So if you look at the upper right corner of the different letters, that first one is an A or an Aleph, or it would be called I mean, there's a different, looks different, but an, uh, an Alpha in Greek and an A in English. And then the next one is Bait, um, which uh, would be uh, Beta in, in Greek and would be B. So you, you go from so there's six across that top line, and then you can't start counting with on, on the right side of the next one. You've got seven, eight, nine, and ten, and you'll see that ten uh, is the smallest letter. It's called a yod, or a jot, or in Greek it would be an iota, uh, the the letter I. Uh, and then and so when Jesus said, "I come to fulfill the law, and I will not." Uh, I, I will not leave a jot or tittle unfulfilled. He's talking about that 10th letter, uh, and it, it stands for the number 10 in Hebrew. They don't use Arabic numbers the way we do. They use Hebrew letters uh, for their numbers. Uh, and then if you, if you drop down to the third line and go all the way over to the left, you'll see that something looks like a hand, uh, and then there's a squiggle in the middle of it. That squiggle is a tittle. It's a part of a letter. So when Jesus came and said, I fulfill the whole Bible, everything, so I, won't, I, I won't leave a, a jot or a tittle undone, it's those two items there. Um, if, the, if the jot or the yod is uh, the tenth letter, the next one, it looks like a hand, which is what the word means, Cough um, is the eleventh letter, and so that's the division point. The next three letters are L, and then back to the right, M, and then N, uh, or Lamed, Mim, and Nun. And those are the three sections I'm going to read. So let's look at Psalm 119, and I hope you have somehow in your Bible an indication of the 176 verses divided up into eight Eight verse sections. And I hope you have something like at the top. So you have Psalm 119 and then right under that. Hopefully you have something that indicates that this is the olive section. And, and what that means is that all eight verses that follow in Hebrew all start with the A or the Aleph. And then you go... After eight verses, the ninth verse, there should be a mark there. It's helpful if there is a mark there. That uh, looks like it says Beth, uh, which is, and if you have the picture of the little sign, it's the, it, it came from a pictogram meaning a house, as in Bethlehem, the house of bread, uh, or Bethel, the house of God. Uh, and so 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16, all those verses start with a B in Hebrew or abate, or abeth. All right. So, uh, if you get to the middle, it would be verse 89. Uh, and for scripture this morning, I'm planning to read section L, M, and N, starting at the middle. But The middle sort of goes back to the first verse with regard to the word and forever settled in heaven. So I'm going to, for the scripture, I'm going to read 89 through 112, or the L section and the and the section where all of them start with an M and the section where all of them start with an N. So let's stand and I'll read those, those three sections as our scripture this morning. Hear God's word. This is God's own word, inspired, inerrant, infallible, and holy. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness continues throughout all generations. You establish the earth, it stands. They stand this day according to your ordinances. For all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have revived me. I am yours, save me, for I sought your precepts. The wicked wait for me to destroy me. I shall diligently consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection. Your commandment is exceedingly broad. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they're ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I have observed your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way, that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn and I will confirm it that I will keep your righteous ordinances I am exceedingly afflicted. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. O oh, accept the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your ordinances. My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not gone astray from your precepts. I have inherited your testimonies forever. They are the joy of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever, O Lord, even to the end. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would grant us joy with regard to every part of your Bible and that you would use our time together today to lead us in that direction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Greatly delights in his commandments. G. Campbell Morgan, that older, older friend of uh, David, Martin Lloyd-Jones, says, this is a pure song of praise. Psalm 119 is just one glad outpouring of his heart. The, the psalmist's heart, David's heart. It is a song of delight in the law of God. The law of God, called the Torah, the instruction of the Bible, flows from and is simply an expression of the character of God, as the Reformation study Bible notes say. Look around you in, this, in our culture and in the world. How is the law of, law of God being loved and revered today? Psalm 119 presents to you a great contrast first between the two types of people in the world. First, are those who say and live by the mantra, If God wants it, I hate it. I am my own God. I will go my own way. My reality is the reality I create. I am the great creator of my own life. I will not be told what to do. I suppress. I squeeze down. I do my best to hide away the knowledge deep down in my heart that God made me. What a bitter, cursed, selfish path to death. The other type of person on earth, according to the Bible, is the one who rejoices in the God of his salvation, and rejoices in everything that God says to us. Psalm 119 exposes us, as G. Campbell Morgan says, to the one who has given himself up to the complete abandonment to the will of God and the joy that comes from that. What a glorious, secure, joyful life of contentment and fulfillment on the path of life. From Psalm 119, which presents you the blessed, joyful, salutary, glorious, priceless effect of the Bible on your life, I draw three emphases. First is Bible separation. We've already started talking about that. The second one is Bible confidence going down, going up the path of life. And the third is Bible joy, Bible separation. The Bible makes the separation clear. You, you know from Psalm 1, meditate on Psalm 1, that there's the righteous and there's the wicked, and they are different. The righteous are plugged into the water of life and they bear fruit in their season. It's beautiful and the wicked are, have cut themselves off from God. There is no moisture. They're just chaff. All dried up chaff, and the wind blows them away. That's the way Psalm 1 starts. And, and in the Psalter, you have it's there's a, there's a particular structure, and we're at the at the third point of this this the way it's structured. Psalm one and two, you have Psalm one about God's law or Torah, it's the Torah Psalm, and then there's a Messiah Psalm. Psalm two is particularly about the Messiah. And then 18 and 19 are like that too. 18 is the Messiah, and 19 is is the Bible, is the Torah, first from creation and then from the Bible itself. And now 118 is really messianic. It is really about the Messiah coming. And one nineteen is about the law, and these three pillars sort of hold up the structure of all the hundred and fifty psalms in the whole the whole time. Um, so, so my first question, my my first point is, which which way are you going? Psalm one and 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 Psalm and, and Psalm one nineteen both give you options either to go with the Lord or against the Lord. If, if you want to walk the path of life, then what, how are you going to know what to do, to say, to think? How are you going to keep your feet from stumbling? How are you going to be able to keep your, your feet on the path of life? Um, Psalm 119 tells you about nature and then tells you about the Bible. In Psalm 119... You have this pair, and in each one of those pairs, basically what you're learning is law and grace. You need a Savior, you've got a Savior. 18 and 19, law and grace, and 118 and 119, law and grace. But this is talking about law. After you've come to the Lord, then how are you going to live for him? So the second thing is, is, is Bible confidence, Psalm 19 says, You can put all your confidence in the Bible. This is Reformation Sunday. It's Reformation Day. Um, the Reformation is, is just saying, Look at what we're doing, and does it match with what the Bible says, with what God has told us? The Reformation didn't begin with Martin Luther. And there were, there were you know, because there have always been people who have said, Is this what the Bible says? shouldn't we tell the truth shouldn't we stop telling lies what whatever the issue is you can go back to as far as right before the reformation 400 years before that you can go back to the Waldensians, uh peter peter waldo where where is waldo waldo is starts out in Lyon, france and and then he influences a lot of people in italy I hope many of you have been to Valdez, North Carolina. That's the people from the 1100, that, that None of them are still living there. But the people who started in the 1100s listening to Peter Waldo saying, we've got to go back to the Bible. Some of them came over here, and they, they have acted that out up there. A former pastor at Filbert, Paul Felker, Paul and Carol Felker, moved from here to be the pastor of the Presbyterian Church there. And since the Huguenots from France and the Valdensians from Italy, uh, and the Presbyterians the Scots Irish Presbyterians in the United States, since we all upheld the Bible, we all we were all Reformed, part of the Reformation, they all came together. So all of those forces are together at First at uh, the uh, Valdez Presbyterian Church up in the mountains. But that was that was in the eleven hundreds when they were doing that, and then there was. Then there was Wycliffe in the 1300s. He's called the morning star of the Reformation. So that if the sun's rising over here, before the sun comes up, if you've got any planets up in that part of the sky, they're, they're bright. Uh, Mars particularly, but the others as well. And, and even though they're not stars, they're called morning stars because you see them before the sun rises. So, uh, so Wycliffe in the 1300s was known as the morning star of the Reformation. And there was John Huss from, um, from uh, Czechoslovakia, that, that area, 1300s into the 1400s. And then there was Martin Luther, and after him Calvin and Knox, and then the Scots-Irish who settled this area and started Bethel Presbyterian Church, and then that spread to us as a granddaughter and great-granddaughter church from there. And what's, what's the main characteristic about, about all these people going back to... Uh, to um, Peter Waldo uh, or Pierre Valde, well, whatever they, however they say it in French. But to the, it's, it's the Bible. It's all about the Bible. And so our Reformation today, I mean, we, we talk about the Reformation, but we don't, we don't worship Martin Luther or John Calvin or anything like that. We, we take what they took stands on and we apply it to our lives so that we are called to repentance and we are led in the path of life. Uh, the, sort of the um, classic way of talking about the Bible is, um, cl- is uh, necessity and sufficiency and clarity and authority of the Bible. But today what I really want to talk about is, or want to emphasize from Psalm 119, what I think the, the alphabet is all about in this is to say that from the Aleph to the Tav of your life, or from the Alpha to the Omega of your life, or your life from A to Z, the Bible talks about it. The Bible leads you. It covers everything in your life. If you delight in the law of the Lord. Now, if you're you're saying you, you want to get things to go your way, and you want to prove your way out of the Bible, then that's completely different. That's no heart in it. That's, that's, that's selfishness and, and wanting to be your own God. But if you, if you say, Lord, I delight to do your will. The, these, these words, all 66 books, they are the delight of my heart. I want to obey you. That's, that's Martin Luther. He didn't get it all right. Calvin didn't get it all right, and the PCA's not getting it all right. Filbert's not getting it all right. But Jesus is right, and we can always go back to him and be reformed to to be brought back into the path of life. So you, by by reading the Bible and studying, meditating on the Bible day after day, you you know, Ezra, Ruth, Third John, whatever you're reading, get it into you so that when the, the time comes that you need it, it'll be there. Black Hawk Down, uh, the, the Battle of Mogadishu, seems like it wasn't too long ago. It's 28 years ago. Uh, but in that movie, they showed, they just had a sort of a little glance, this short snippet of of one of the guys not putting his Kevlar armor into him because this was a 30-minute operation, hour at the most. (laughs) But there were 19 American dead, 73 wounded rangers, Delta Force, and special ops before it was all over with. Some of them didn't take enough water It, it, was a, it turned out to be a trap uh, in, in Mogadishu, Somalia. What I'm saying to you is be prepared. You've got all the ammunition you need. You've got all the armor, you've got all the information. It's in 66 books. But don't stop after learning John 3:16. Don't, don't stop after learning just the Lord's Prayer. You should learn the Lord's Prayer. You should pray the Lord's Prayer. But there's so much, much more there. And if, you, if you're like the writer of, of Psalm 119 to say, this is the desire of my heart. I love your law. I love your word. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies so that you have a whole team of, of verses and chapters and truths that go with you into any battle in life. Sufficiency, 2 Peter 1.3. So it, it's comprehension, comprehensiveness it it covers everything of life and it is enough you don't need anything else i'm not saying you shouldn't study bible study books you shouldn't i'm not saying you shouldn't listen to sermons i'm not saying you shouldn't have bible studies i'm not saying you you shouldn't read other books and biographies and and so forth missionary biographies but I'm saying the Bible is enough. 2 Peter 1.3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in or steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I would challenge you sometime to go through Psalm 119, and mark all the places it talks about your heart. And mark all the places it talks about delight or something like delight and joy. The world is under a curse. And I would say that you can, that you have what you need to fight that curse. As joy, as we'll sing about joy and joy to the world, he comes to make his blessings flow. For as the curse is found, the world is under a curse. You can't stop that curse by your righteousness. You can't run away from the curse. It affects the whole created world, this curse. So what are you going to do? I want you to become acquainted with a large and powerful club or agency. An agency made up of agents who get amazing things accomplished on behalf of the great leader of the agency. There are 31,102 members of this agency or this club, and the leader of the club is called by the same name as every one of those 31,102 members. In fact, the leader sent them all out And they always succeed in what they're sent out to do. Always. They never miss. Never. In fact, one of them was sent to see you and to let you in on this fact that they always accomplish what they were sent out to do. We call him agent number 5511. And it is a favorite friend of the Gideon's. Sometimes these club members arrive at their intended targets in groups. Sometimes they come alone. Sometimes only part of one of them wins the day. They can be like sleeper cells and pop up to do their good work in the middle of the night. They like for you to get to know them in a quiet, peaceful time and place but they can fly swiftly to your aid and even rescue you when you're becoming frantic and fearful and very, very sad. They're always sent with a great guide who always knows the way and the time and the process and the wisest course of action to take. He knows all those things. And he places these agents, these club members, in exactly the place of perfectly intended effectiveness. Oh, and and although they are exactly 31,102 members, each one of this group can be duplicated intact like clones with absolutely no difference from one to another and be the dispatched to the extremities of the glo- globe at the same time. And each one of these agents is really, really sharp. Each one of these agents imparts knowledge they don't mind telling you when you're wrong and they'll tell you what to do about it they'll pick you up and stand you back up on your feet and they're really good about putting their arms around you and patting you on the back and turning you and sending you off in the right direction and when you realize what they've done for you and, and, and in you you will say they are my delight we call that one P.S. 11977, you'll shout, they are my songs. We call that one P.S. 11954. You'll explain, they're my lamp, or or maybe more like my light. That's agent number P.S. 119105. They keep me from sinning, P.S. 11911. You rely on IS-5511 saying these agents never return empty. They always accomplish what their leader intends. They never ever return to their leader void. And where does the leader of this agency come from? Well, I'm glad you asked. We go to agent number JN-11. He was in the beginning. But I can be in personal contact with agent number JN11, and his duplicates can be working just as hard in other people's lives in Zambia and Sudan at the same time. What would you call this agency, this active, alive set of club members? Each as sharp and active as a two-edged sword. Well, I think you could call them Curse busters. I think you could call them curse busters. Every one of the 31,102 agents is a word of the leader. And what would you call the leader? Well, he's the word. He sends out the word written, guided by the Holy Spirit, but the leader of the word is the word incarnate. He came in the flesh. So every member of the curse busters is a word, or Torah, or instruction, or ordinance, or testimony, or commandment, or promise, or precept, or law, or statute, or decree. Maybe you need number JN316, for God so loved the world, or number PS231, the Lord is my shepherd, or agent number 1CO134, love is patient. Or maybe you need number EX-2016, you shall not bear false witness. Or agent number GN-27, the Lord God formed man from dust of the ground. Or number GN-127, male and female, he made them. Or number AX-412, there is salvation in no one else. That's just seven of the agents. There are 3,095 more. To help you to be able to walk in the counsel, not to walk in the counsel of the wicked, not to stand in the path of sinners, not to sit in the seat of the scornful, but to develop you into a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on His law day and night May you delight in the law of the Lord and be ready for anything. Your testimonies are also my delight. They are my counselors, verse 24. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it, verse 35. I shall delight in your commandments, verse 47. For you, for your law is my delight, verse 77. And then verse 11, for your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. In Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than two-edged sword. Call on the aid of the curse busters. Know where they are and hide them in a secure place in your heart.